Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this part at the very beginning of October 2023. And welcome to episode 118, A Conversation with Tammy McMorrow. I love Tammy. You haven't met her yet. Mm, yes. Oh, I love you, Tammy. No, not in, per- not in person. No, I haven't <laughs> right. met her in person. But I feel like I know her because she's yes. attended so many of our book clubs and yeah, she's uh, a, an amazing resource. I love seeing when she posts something on Twitter or the odd time that I go on Facebook. Uh, I love to see what she what she's done with those littles. I know. Yeah, amazing. And if work. she can do it with she's the littles, we can work. do it with the bigs. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Oh. Well, first we want to give a shout out to our friend TJ Jemison. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, he was our guest. But he listened to the first episode of our season four, and he said, yes. shout out to at I Teach the Wise Mom. That's my yeah. mom. He, he said, <laughs> doing math, yes, season four, must listen, at Lauren Karina, hashtag growth mindset, hashtag yes. learning through math podcast. So thanks nice. to for sharing our podcast and thanking my mom. Mom's probably yeah. looking at me right now all embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed, mom. Everybody loves you. I keep telling her she has to be on the podcast. I think, yes. Yes. And she's Let's like, get what am I going to talk about? I'm like, mom, really? <laughs> All the stuff. Have you not heard us? We, we talk. <laughs> we'll be fine. <laughs> we have plenty to talk about. <laughs> Four seasons worth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a reflection for this yes. week. You know, last week you were talking about Alex's multiplication problem with the standard algorithm. Yeah. I have much more to say about that, but uh, I'll save that for another time. But this one I want to share about the fifth graders that I'm working with when my friend is out of town. So I need to, you know, cover her classes and this stupid standard algorithm. That's right. I said it. Stupid standard algorithm. So the kids are trying to multiply decimals. And yeah. wh- what's happening? They're confusing, lining it up and bringing it down. And then they're right. with addition. And then using that same idea when they're doing standard algorithm with multiplication. So I stopped them. And one of the questions was one and five tenths times one and five tenths. And I'm like, listen, let's just look at the whole number. What's one times one? And they're like, one. And I'm like, okay, so let's round up. Two times two is four. So your answer has to be between two and four. So if you end up with, you know, 220, whatever 1.5 times 1.5 is. I I can't even think right now because it's just, mm, isn't it two and 25 hundredths? Yeah, I was going to say, wouldn't it be, wait, if. If one times one is one and two times two is four <laughs> and one and a half is like it's one and a half, wouldn't it be I don't yeah, know? It's two and twenty five hundredths. <laughs> I just grabbed my okay. calculator. But the, the okay. point is, like, it can't be twenty-two and five tenths. You're not pulling the 
decimal point down. Right, right. Even right. though this is the problem because you're adding in that section. Yeah. And I think that's what's messing them up. Yes. Right? Yes. Can we just get yes. rid of the standard algorithm that we were well, taught? Yeah, I don't I don't use the standard algorithm for multiplication of decimals I'll, because because of that like yeah. the decimal issue, right? Because you don't know where to put it, but we'll always talk at the end for reasonableness and like where our number is going to be. But even if I said to them, ignore yeah. it and then we'll put it in at the end. Now I'm like, okay, it's not one and five tenths. It's 15 times 15. Yeah. But then at the end, so does that confuse them even more? Probably. I don't know. I don't know. I just, can we just stick with partial products and area model? Okay. I I can even go with distributive property. I mean, let's distribute it out. So why can't we do that? Hello? Yeah. I, I talked, I asked a kid, he did something and I was like, on one of his homework, whatever it was, I gave them one problem to do and not all the kids did it. And I was like, listen, I know you normally don't get homework from your other teacher, but I really needed you to do this one problem because it was order of operations with rational numbers. And I said to them, I needed to see if you understood this. And I showed them my lesson plan for the day. I said, look, look at today. It was completely blank because I said, I needed to know what you knew in order for us to keep going. So right. I gave them one problem to do on the weekend. Let's see what happens, you know, on Monday when they come back. But anyway, this one kid, he talked through his mistake. I was like, cover this up. Just what is blah times blah? And he was like, this. I said, look yeah. what you wrote. He's like, oh right. my God. Like, and he slapped his forehead. Right. You know, ugh. I'm like, you have it. You have the reasonableness. You have the relationships of the numbers. Don't let yes. this throw you off. Yeah. <sighs> what did you want to say about decimal Yeah, no, I mean, or... just that just that I've already started the, that conversation of, well, if you have a number that is like one times a number, that's going to be the whole number, right? Like that entirety of that amount. Do you know what I'm saying? Like one times 14 is, is all of 14. Right. So when you're multiplying something that would be less than one – it wouldn't make sense that you would have all of that amount, that whole amount. So I'm starting to kind of bring some of that talk in now. Mm. I forget what we were doing, but it just we. I, I think we were just talking about. I don't even know because yeah, I because- also introduced ratio tables. Yeah. So I don't know if that was when I brought it up or like it was just a, a big, I, I'm just trying to introduce more things earlier, the yeah. things that I know that they're going to struggle with, you know, like, like the language of take 25 from 38 is not 25 minus 38. It's 38 minus 25, right? Like that. So I'm just trying to bring that into more discussions now. I was going to say, I think even with your decimal explanation and, you know, trying to make that, that's going to help them when they get to the fraction unit. Yes. Yeah. Which I always wish that we taught first, but anyway, that's a, Uh, that's a, a, and you know what? That's a whole other I'm, you need to remind me to talk next time about the fourth graders that I'm working with right now with multiplication just in general. Okay. So yeah. sorry, everyone cliffhanger, but I'm going to save that for next week's episode. All right. I have good news. Do you have good news? Cause I do. Yes. I yes. Do. You, go, do you want- go ahead. Oh, okay. Go ahead. 
So at the FCTM, the Florida Council of Teachers of Math Leadership Conference, I got to meet Dr. Raj Shah, and he's one of the founders of the Global Math Project, and he was our closing keynote, and everything he said just affirmed everything that we believe about teaching and learning math. I mean, I I started to take pictures and then I just put my phone down because I was like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. And I'll, I'll post that picture up again of, uh, our meet, you know, it was, he, he was kind of taken aback because the group of us from Palm Beach County, you know, went up to take that picture. And he's like, this is like, not weird. I forgot what he said. I don't know if he said unusual or whatever, but I'm like, wait, you mean people don't want to take pictures with you? Of course we want to take pictures (laughs) with you, you know? (laughs) And I don't remember if I asked him if he's going to be at NCTM or NCSM, but Raj, if you're going to be there, you know, you'll get another hug from me. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, my good news. My good news was uh, I finally. So it was. Ma- it's a management little little issue that I was having with my wipe books, which now thanks to Tammy, I call them thinking, thinking boards. Oh, thinking right. Boards. I was thinking the same. Yes, thing. thinking boards. So I think that the, she shares that. So that's a little preview for what yes. she says in the in this this week's episode. But I was having the the issue of you know when once I give kids their cards. Then somebody else has to go get markers and erasers. So I don't know how I came about this. I think I may have seen it some somewhere, but then I like tweaked it to fit for you know my class. And I'll I'll share the picture on Twitter. Mm -hmm. But all I got was little command strips with those little hooks that you can stick on. And because I have the big black painters tape around my wipe books. Mm I'm able to, because I don't, you know, because our principal really wants to keep our walls. I mean, there's no budget for painting, right? No, so, uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah so we, we, she's like a stickler for our walls being nice and clean and I get it and not stapling things and not doing like not damaging the walls, but I get it because there's just no budget for it. So I put on the, on the painter's tape, the, the, the little command strips mm-hmm. and then the hooks on that and then hooked from the dollar store, you can get a pack of three for a dollar twenty-five. Right, the, it's not a dollar yeah, anymore. Not a dollar anymore. <laughs> uh, you could get those long pencil case bins, you know, like the skinny long ones, like a tray. And I, yes, and I got uh, whatever, however many I needed, and that's now hooked on right underneath my board. So it just makes it so much faster that transition from you know, giving out their cards to going right to the white books and then even putting the, the materials away. So mm-hmm. it's, yay, it's all, it's all working now seamlessly. Okay, but <laughs> I have a question for you because- It's not seamless, Laura. Oh. <laughs> I was waiting for you to call me out on that. Come no, on. I'm still thinking about your trays. So oh, okay. you actually put the command hooks on the white books and then- the No, tra- no, no. Oh, on okay, because I was like- t- I, oh, but wait, on the page, where's the painter's on tape? On the painter's tape. It's all around my, it's like the whole border of my wipe books. Oh, okay. So it's completely stuck on that okay. way. Okay, because yes. I was like, how is the tray being held on by the, the paint- white yes. books? Yeah, because then the no. white books would 
tear. And yes, yes. Speaking yes. of tearing, guess what happened this week? Did yours tear? One of my white books. Ooh. Oh no. I know See, I can fix had, it. I can fix it. Yes, I'm gonna fix yeah. it, but it's just. Oh. And this is why. This is why. Like now, I've had these ones for. I want to say this is year three. That I think I've had it them is up. Mm-hmm. And they've still. They're great. They're still. Awesome. And again, I I really think it's because I put painter's tape all around them mm-hmm. so that they can't kids can't pick at them. You really can't access, you know, any So you don't have them hanging parts. with command tape. No. That's no. the key. Okay. No. So that's it. On my walls, I just have to put painter's tape around the whole thing. Now, do you keep them up like the whole Do you have to take them down over the summer? Nope. Okay. Okay. All right. Painter's tape it is. Well, I can save money on command hooks and put it towards painter's tape. Yeah. And I got the black painter's tape from Amazon because, I mean, the blue painter's tape is an eyesore. I, I know. Look at that. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm I like, like it looks so ugly, the blue. Is that, and that, so the black just looks sleek and nice and clean. And plus, then when they erase, you can't see all the exactly. marker marks, you know, because it's just on, on the black. So, yes, it's uh, it's working nicely. All right. I just put black painter's tape down. I'm going to have to add it to my Amazon cart. You're welcome. Because you know why? October 13th, I get a one-hour PD to do building thinking classrooms with the teachers. And guess where I'm doing it? My room. My principal's like, oh, you could do it in the media center. I was like, nope. I want it done in my room because I'm going to have a K2 session and a 3-5 session. Nice. And I want to show them it's possible to do it in classrooms. Nice. That's that's why I didn't want to do it anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. I know. All right. Listeners, get ready for this conversation with Tammy McMorrow. Well, welcome, Tammy, to Learning Through Math. We are so excited to have you as a guest, finally, on one of our episodes. Um, Tammy and I finally got to meet in person at the BTC conference in Indiana. We got to hug. Yay. <laughs> so jealous. <laughs> I know you are, but that's okay. Next year, right? We'll, we'll all make it to yes. Arizona. So Tammy, tell our listeners about yourself. Uh, I'm a first grade teacher in CUNA, Idaho, which is just outside of Boise. And I've been teaching for 29 years. So Woo-hoo! this will be 30. Wow. Um, I've taught first grade all those years, except two years ago, I had a one-two combo. So in 30 years, I've taught a bunch of first graders and 10 second graders. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, And then let's see what else. Wait, have you been in the same room the whole time? No. I've taught in two different schools, um, three different classrooms in 30 years. Three different classrooms. Jeez, I got moved like every year or every other year. (laughs) Um, I love to read. Reading is an extreme sport in my life. Um, I can tell from all of your posts. (laughs) Yes. And I love to work out and sing. Um, Yeah. So those are some interesting facts about myself. I didn't get to hear you sing when we were in Indiana. Oh, well, get on get on Facebook because my cousin and I sang in a cathedral. Oh, I did see that one. Yeah, so you can listen in. 
Yeah, that was wow. beautiful. Yeah, Thank all the echo in there. It yes, was amazing. The, the acoustics in, in those cathedrals are just incredible. Mm -hmm. They sure are. Okay, so we wanted to have you on to discuss a couple of BTC things. And mm -hmm. the first one we want to talk about is thin slicing. And the second one is about mild, medium, and spicy problems. So listeners, I had the opportunity to go listen to Tammy and see her presentation in Indiana, which by the way, I did not know you were such a big wig where you ended up on the stage, on the panel with like six people up there to talk about BTC. How did that happen? I want to know that. All I know is that I got an email a couple weeks before the uh, Indiana conference and the, it said like, Peter chose you to be on our panel. And I thought, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> did so yeah that was wow amazing. wow oh my god i know you were dying i was totally it was a lot of fun but yeah um it was kind of surreal like oh peter god. knows wow. my name <laughs> <laughs> he knows who you are now yeah. that's so amazing wow yeah. So uh, talk to us about thin slicing, because I loved your presentation so much because you gave us so much good and practical uses, mm -hmm. which, you know, sometimes when you go to a conference, it's all theory, theory, theory. And this yeah. was all just usable, which was fantastic. Well, thank you. Um, I, f I feel like if thin slicing is confusing, for anyone who's listening, they're in good company because I feel yeah. like it's one of those parts of BTC that that can be kind of tricky to wrap your brain around. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've tried to soak in everything that I've heard Peter ever say about thin slicing. Uh, and everything else that Peter oh, has yes. ever said. <laughs> and I just sit at his feet and just listen to every word he says. Right. Um, but yeah. so. When I think of thin slicing, I think of a sequence of tasks that get progressively um, harder. And I've listened to him talk about some tips. Would it be okay if I just talk about a few of those? That would be great. Oh, absolutely, yes. Okay. So he says you can never start too easy, which I really appreciate that this fact that kids will take on a challenge on the heels of success. And so we want to make it sure that that um, when we're writing a sequence of tasks, that first one is accessible to everyone and maybe even seems too easy. Um, I think that's a great place to start. He talks about the the changes between tasks are microscopic. So they're thin, thus the title thin slicing. And so when I'm. I'll just give a quick example. Yeah. The one I gave in my PD is that I was working with my one-two combo class and I gave them a target number of 500. And then I, I gave them a sequence of numbers to work through that they would have to figure out if I started at this number, how many more would it, I need to go into to get to 500? So 500 is the target number. And the first number I gave them to start at was, um, I think it was 480. So if you start at 480, what do you have to do to get to 500? And then my next uh, thin slice was something like, 
um, 390, I think is what it was. And knowing my kids and knowing my content, I felt like the, the space between that 480 and that 390 was pretty, pretty thin. Um, because we were still working on like decade numbers, but at 390, they would have to cross over that, um, right. 400 mark. Mm -hmm. So, um, so making those little, those little slices extra thin is very important. He also talks about over planning. So as we know, in a thinking classroom, no one ever gets to be done. And so my plan is to make sure that, um, I have enough sequences in this task that no one is going to finish and go, now what do I do? Right. He also talks about, um, like anticipating traffic jams or sticky points. And like I had after 390, I think I had maybe like a 342 where we're not on that decade number anymore. And I, I can anticipate that that's going to trick some, some kids up. So I'm prepared for that. And then I know what I'm going to do and I have a hint, a nudge prepared in advance. And I love how he also says prepare parallel problems for those who might need more of the same. So at that 342, I might have had then a 333 or, you know, some similar problem ready for those who need a little bit more when they're at a, a sticky point. Let's see. I also uh, appreciate that he says be flexible. So mm -hmm. a group might skip ahead or they might go back a step in the sequence because with our visibly random groups, we never know who's going to be together. So if um, Hensley and Grayson get put together, I know they're going to fly through some of these earlier parts of the sequence. So I'm prepared to, to scoot them ahead if I need to. And he also says that um, it's okay if the sequence isn't perfect. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate about this because I think it can be a little debilitating trying to get the exact same sequence, especially if I'm new to it. Uh, mm. So I'm, I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm going to get the best sequence I can and I'll get better at it with more practice. And so management. Oh, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, um, I was just going to ask about management wise. How do you present each question? Because I know sometimes it's posted. Sometimes it's just vis our verbal. How do, how do you do it? That's a great question. It, it is a little fast and furious, especially depending on the math that I'm asking them to do. So I have a, a general um, location in my room and I just post the first one and then they all get they all get started and and that first one's going to be really easy so i know they're going to need the next one pretty fast quickly so as right soon as a group as soon as a group needs it i just post the next one and then they don't my kids don't take anything back with them they just go to this location they look at it they take they put that information in their brain and then they go back to their their whiteboard and start working on it and then as soon as another group needs one i post it because i've i've heard peter say that you don't want to give them the whole list from right. top to bottom at the beginning because then their mindset is get this done mm -hmm. instead of let's do some really good thinking. So um, that's the way that I've been also doing it. And I, 
I also love that he says, um, well, I don't know that he said it, but I've read it. Like, I, for some teachers, I know there's a temptation to check in with every group before they get the next slice. And I feel like that's going to interrupt flow too much. So I don't check. They don't have to check with me. Um, I'm moving around the room as I would with any task. It's just that I'm moving more quickly because I've got to be right. in several places at once because I got to post that next task while I'm also checking in with groups. So that's how I've chosen to right. monitor and set it up. I sometimes have to tell my kids not to run to get the next task because they're so engaged um, and they, they're just in it to win it. And uh, so it, it can be, like I said, really fast really fast and really furious but so when you say you know that they don't need to check in you don't need to check in with every group for every problem once the first group is done do you actually look at their work and then do the kids figure out oh they are already on another task so let me check their whiteboard to make sure that we got ours right like do they mm. do they actually use the mobility knowledge um, it's possible that they have, I just haven't seen it probably because I'm, <laughs> I'm moving around the room so quickly because of the pace that's necessary for this. So it's very likely that they, they do. Uh, but that first task is so easy that they can all access it fairly easily on their own anyways. So they might not be using knowledge mobility with that one. But that's okay. not to say that they wouldn't later on in the process. So when I've done some thin slicing questions, um, what I've noticed, and we're up at white books, so they have limited space. They don't have, you know, a lot of space for mm -hmm. a lot of their work. What I've noticed is students, and this is fifth grade, don't, don't really know how to organize work. Um, so have you seen that as well in first grade? I'm sure, I mean, you've had to probably teach, I, I feel like I've had to model how to organize their work and how to almost even create a list of the problems that they've solved and what they, like what their answer was so that I could kind of keep track of where they were. Yeah, and for my friends, I have, not, I label each thin slice so I label them A and then B and then C and when I first started doing it I was just labeling one two three and then mm -hmm. uh, one of my BTC friends Diane Christensen on Facebook um, was brilliant and did the ABC instead of the one two three because for, for my little people they would get they can easily get the one confused from the problem itself so the right. A and the and then the problem made a lot of sense. So I label it and then they do as well. And so I haven't had to do much more organizing um, than just that. Because if they forget, I'll just remind them, like, which problem is this? Is it A, B, C? And they literally just make a list just like I do. They just kind of okay. echo what I'm doing as I'm, you know, I display them in a list order and they just write them in a list order. But I so, think your point makes a lot of sense. It does need to be organized. So what happens if they run out of space on their white books or their whiteboards? Um, most of my kids don't. They, and, and I, I think it helps as they progress in the year because they just learn to write smaller. 
at the beginning of the year yeah. first graders you know everything's huge and you know but um we don't do thin slicing right away at the beginning of the year peter does say like there are other things that need to be in place before you get to that so i think maybe by the time we get to thin slicing their organizational skills are a little bit better but if they if they do run out of room we just get creative <laughs> like write it over here on the side um but most of my kids don't get as far through the thin slice sequence um, in order to run out of room. Right. Um, I haven't had that problem too much. When I was at the conference and you did your presentation, you had all of this amazing work up on the wall that we could actually see, which I totally appreciated. And I also know that they're in the K2 Building Thinking Classrooms Facebook group, but seeing it in person was is different than seeing it you know, on a little screen, that double digit edition one that you did blew my mind. So I'm just going to kind of explain what I saw. And then you can, if you can tell us like how you chose those thin slicing ones would be amazing. So Tammy had a hundreds chart up and she blocked out two numbers. And at the beginning, they're right next to each other. They're adjacent. So it was, you know, what's the sum basically of those two digits. So let's say it was, you know, 11 and 12. I think that was the first one that you had on there. And I was like, oh my God, that is so brilliant. It's just using a hundreds chart and blocking out two numbers. So then you went to, it looks like 14 and 24. And I'm just looking at the at what you did here on your, cause I can't really see the numbers, but I know how a hundreds chart works, right? And then 25 and 35 and then other ones. And then at some point you get to three digits, which Mm -hmm. was incredible. So how, how do you pick out those kinds of problems? Well, that is actually a task I did not create. I found it on, and I believe it's called math before bed. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, it on math before bed, it's just a single task and it's an actual task that I used in my room on its own first before I turned it into a thin slicing task. So I found it, used it, said, huh, this is really fun. I like this. And when I used it, I prepared some extensions. Um, So I knew how to extend it already, but then I turned it into a thin slicing on my own by then creating the which two numbers or three numbers or even four numbers are they going to um, try and figure out the sum of? So so thin slicing can come from all different kinds of places and tasks. And I just, I think the more that I get, the more I use it, the more I get comfortable with it, the more I see possibilities. And that's just a perfect example of how you can be really creative. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yes, you did. And, and I think the whole main thing is, you know, you don't have to search high and low. You could just go to your textbook and start with one yeah. of those problems. But it's, and it's not even that you have to use all the problems from your textbook, but mm-hmm. you can take what the textbook starts with. And then again, know your content, know your kids. Thank you, Pam and Kim. Um, yeah. And turn it into a thin slice. Yes, I rarely open the textbook. <laughs> 
honestly. But one day when I did, because we were supposed to be looking at the next year's version, so we were in our PLC, supposed to kind of just be reviewing, I opened it up and I saw this page um, that had some comparing number, numbers problems on it, just a bunch of them, as textbooks, you know, do. And I thought, ooh, this could become a thin slice, because I liked the way it was approaching the topic. And I then I didn't use necessarily those numbers or those examples necessarily, but that was the basis and the foundation of a thin slice task that I created. It was brilliant. I was like, wow, I can even find things in my own curriculum that can <laughs> become a thin slice task. Who knew? And you did not do all this perfectly from the get-go, right? It's kind of like no. a trial and error. I just want to state that out there that once you do it once you're not an expert right not at all i i mean i still feel like i'm fine-tuning because one of the one of the things that i've discovered this last year is that some of my slices were more like parallel problems i was asking them to do the same thing mm -hmm. instead of from one to the next changing something i was changing maybe the numbers but their their process was identical. They they just had to do the same thing with a number that was slightly bigger. And that didn't feel like thin slicing. So I had to really, I've had to really work on making sure I just don't have two or three parallel problems listed um, in a row. I've got to like change something that so it makes them work a little bit harder not, or it just challenges them a little bit more. I'm not saying it the way or I want to. Or maybe they have to change their strategy. Yes, yes. Because um, every little slice should be asking them to, yeah, to try something new, to to think a little bit differently about this problem. It's not a fine science. I, I mean, you just got to be messy and be willing to live with some ambiguity and right. just try. It's an art too, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yes. All right, let's talk about mild, medium, and spicy. I, that is a new one for me. So I started using that this year, this last year, and my kids really did enjoy it. I didn't use it necessarily every week, but, um, but it was fun to just experiment with. And I would often use it like after thin slicing, honestly. Um, so we would, we would do our task, we would do consolidation, and then I uh, had already prepared this slide that has some, you know, the jalapeno peppers at the top with the mild, medium, and spicy graphics. And then um, one to three problems, kind of depends on the math we were doing in each category. And they, I would invite them to pick where they wanted to start. And then they also knew that once they finished what they were working on, they would try another one. They would go to a different level. Like they knew they it just wasn't one and you're done. They would move on to another one. And since it was my first rodeo with uh, CYU, we tried it on our white our individual whiteboards at their desks. And and then I would after they I gave them a few minutes to just. Um, work on the ones they were working on, I would show them the answers and they would check on how they did. But I have heard Peter say that choice, even more so than which ones, which problems are you gonna do, 
You can also give them choice as to, would you like to do this by yourself or with someone else? Mm -hmm. Or would you like to do this on the thinking boards, as I call them around the room, or would you like to work, it at your, work on it at your desk? I haven't gotten to that yet, but that is definitely a goal of mine this coming year to even offer more more choice. I'm stealing the um, words thinking boards from you just to let you know. Yes, I like <laughs> thinking boards also. Mm -hmm. yeah. But they they ate it up. They loved it. And they didn't there were certain kids who didn't always choose where they were going to start super well, but they they had ambition, you know. Yeah. Uh, some kids who were trying spicy who did who weren't ready for spicy. Um, and so they, you know, sometimes need a little bit of direction, a little bit of support starting where they need to go. But overall, I felt really positive about how it went. And I just know I, I need to go to the next level this coming year. Tammy, I have a bunch of questions about that. So uh, um, because I haven't I haven't tried the mild medium spicy yet. Um, and then it's something that I definitely want to try. How long do you give them? to to do it do you give them any parameters like i want you to at least try three or do you just leave it open for them to decide and then you said you posted the answers at the end so mm -hmm. again so how much time is that i think my average uh cyu time was probably about five to six seven minutes is all okay and 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 as soon as, like I said, as soon as they like processed their own problems, they just automatically went to the the next level they wanted to try. Um, but it wasn't my expectation that you get even all of your own problems done. It was just use your time wisely, and they they did. They all did. Okay. And the one thing I want to say that Peter said is because we haven't debriefed yet. Uh, Karina and I haven't debriefed about the whole BTC conference so far, but he said, you don't say, um, which one are you going to do? You're going to say, where are you going to start? Or choose right. where you want to start. And that way, if yeah. a kid starts, let's say in medium and he wants to go to mild or, you know, jump all around, that's fine. And that there's no extra spicy ones. There's no, I wrote this down, no, no Hades Inferno. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it doesn't become super duper spicy. It's just in the spicy category, you know, which right. I think is just three categories. That's super it. important to, because then the kids are going to try to just keep getting to the next level. And then the kids mm -hmm. that don't finish, it's, it's just a whole, it's a mindset thing. Right. Yeah. You know, and before we even start, I will say, hey, Boston, you know, um, what are you going to do if you finish, you know, your, the problems you chose? And he said, well, I'm going to do another one. So I will I will remind them ahead of time that that's the that's how we do it in our room by having that conversation with with the one or two kids. But, and are you having them record their thinking on a paper so that it's you hold on to that paper or are you just having them do it on whiteboards and they talk like they can discuss it or because it sounds very open right it sounds like a very yeah. open task of of we're just going to work on this and however they feel like working on it that's how that's how it, it kind yeah. of like just happens organically 
Yeah, and I haven't collected anything. I, I just have them do it on the whiteboards. One thing that, like, one thing that I'd like to do is to have some kind of maybe anecdotal system that while I'm walking around, I can be taking notes because I'm not going to yeah. collect this. Right. I'm not checking it. You know, it's not for me. It's for them. Right. So, but it's good information too, though. Yes. It's, it can help drive my instruction. So I just need a system for what am I going to be writing on as I'm, you know, just walking around the room. You know, I would love maybe in a few months after the school year, we're all into it and have you back and talk about the systems that you've tried or mm. created and been successful with, not been successful with. I think that would be another yes. great conversation that we can have. I think so, too, because that's definitely a piece that I think is important and missing right now. And I'd like to work mm -hmm. on it. You and me both. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Tammy, we can't thank you enough for your time. We're definitely going to have to have you back on for sure. And um, is there anything that you want to give us? Like maybe what was your biggest takeaway from the BTC conference? If you had to pick one, <laughs> I think I know what it's going to be, but... <laughs> Peter, oh, no. <laughs> Peter at the top of that list. Life goals. Meeting Peter. Oh, period. You gotta, you gotta oh. tell our listeners about your bucket list that you had. You wrote this like two years ago or a year ago. When did you write this? It was my like goal list for 2023. Number one, meet Peter. I actually wrote this down. Number two, presents BTC. Wow. And I checked both of those off the list in Indiana. And oh my heavens, like meeting Peter was, uh, I was like a 12 year old who couldn't string together five words. Laura can attest to this because she witnessed it. She was watching this happen. Oh my goodness. I mean, he's, he's hugging me and someone's taking a picture and he literally says, you're shaking. And I said, oh. I know. Oh. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm a super fan. And now you're yeah. keynoting in October? Is it? I'm not a keynote. I'm a featured, featured speaker. speaker. And which conference is this going to be at? Oh, there's a long name to it. It's in Portland, Oregon in October. It's some like Pacific Northwest. Blah, okay, blah, I'll blah. find it and I'll I put it in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> and also, um, I get to meet Peter on Thursday, this Thursday, again, because he's in Idaho. So he's going to be at our ICTM conference. I'm presenting at that, and I get I get to see him again. <laughs> yeah. So not just once in 2023, twice. Twice, I know. <laughs> so amazing. Well, please have somebody take a picture oh. and send it to us. Yes, I will, except Laura receives the award for the number of pictures taken with Peter at one conference. Like, Every day I'm like, let's get today's picture. You know what I didn't do when we had that black tea event? I did not have him come to our table of 12, which by the way, Karina, it was supposed to be, I think a table of eight, but like people just, it was, we were a magnet, right? And I yeah. did not have him come over. I wish I would have done that. So we'll have to do that again another oh, time. Yeah, I think so. Aw. Yeah. Well, thanks again so much for your time. Well, it was a pleasure being here chatting with you guys. Karina, 
again, an amazing conversation, right? Oh, and we forgot to tell everyone, I think, that we recorded that in August. The beginning of August, right before school started. Do you even yes. remember that time? I don't. It feels like ages ago. That it was does. Like big blur. But I will say that this conversation was so good for me because it really pushed me to try the mild, medium, spicy. And I've already shared on a past episode that I flip and love mild, medium, spicy questions. Right. And I really attribute that to uh, my students doing a lot better, like even assessment wise. Like let's let's be honest, we do get judged by our assessments. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. But anyway, uh, the kids. I, and I just feel like they were more confident too. So yeah, I love it. I love mild, medium, spicy. I love that it's on them. The they take ownership of it. I love that they want to do them. Mm-hmm. And on some days they start with spicy, and on some days they start with mild. Like I, I just love the element of responsibility that it gives them versus accountability. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love that. So. All right, listeners, our challenge for you this week is to share your thin slicing with us or some mild, medium, and spicy tasks. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.